Amen. And in line with that, a public service announcement, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. All right, if I'm understanding right. Find your place, if you would, Ephesians chapter 1. And let me sort of capitalize on a couple things that have been said. On your mission side tonight in your bulletin uh, with uh, Valley Forge Baptist Temple. Let me give you a little history of that. A number of years ago, a young man served an internship at Fairfax Baptist Temple. And uh, they had a tremendous impact on his life. And God called him to pastor. He came our way. And we were able to support Brother Wendell getting the church started in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. God's hand of blessing has been richly on it. I'm encouraged tonight to hear about this missions group that's going to be with Dan Brown and his family in Germany. That is only one area of ministry. I think one of the most productive uh, ministries that they have, of course, the church and the salvation of souls, but they have started what is called the Valley Forge Biblical Counseling Center. They have five biblical counselors that work with them. Uh, they are all board certified, and uh, they have a building that is dedicated just to that, and they're helping God's people uh, who need special wisdom and special counsel. We've been able to send some folks there. They're all, they also work with biblical counselors in different areas, and uh, we'll plug folks in. And uh, we have on our prayer list tonight, we have a church family with unspoken requests. There are several of those. But uh, today we were able to sort of partner up and get information to them uh, to be able to get some help in, in line of that. So you never know. We, we were just helping to plan a church. And now that church is covering the world as well. And uh, so pray for pray for. Uh, that church, and we're thankful for the opportunity to be a part of uh, church planting ministries. I don't know if you know it or not, if you've noticed or not, but our world has gone crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, Sunday morning, Lord willing, I am going to be preaching a message on what if John 3.16 were not so. And uh, I want you to pray that God would help us to say and do the things that he would have us to do. I, uh, just before I left the house tonight, of course, the news was coming on, and I am amazed that we live in a country, and listen, folks, I'm, I, I, I enjoy animals, love animals, but uh, it's not my life. And I noticed that, and whoever, whoever uh, burned this dog in Richmond, chained it or tied it or whatever they did, and lit the dog on fire, they ought to be found, and they ought to be prosecuted. I don't have any argument with that. I think I saw a sign that said there was a five or a $10,000 reward for anybody that could bring uh, information that would, they would be able to catch the person. I told my wife, when I was watching that, I said, how sad. A dog's life is more valuable than a child's life in our state tonight. And uh, it'd be interesting to know how many babies were aborted in our city the same day that that dog was injured. And uh, we, we need to pray. We, we've got to pray, and then we have to become involved with uh, some things. We'll talk to you about that during this year. Do pray for VAIB. Uh, they're in, a, in what's called changeover week. Uh, no new bills can be presented at this point. Everything that can be presented has been presented. Quite truthfully, we've done very well. We've fared well. A number of very controversial bills that we thought would probably 
walk right on through have got hung somewhere or the other. And some of the things that are happening right now that are where all the publicity, they have, it's a negative impact on us and our state. But there's been some positive impact because those that have presented certain bills, let me just say it this way, they shut up. They close their mouths and they let their bills be set aside for this year, not wanting to draw any more attention. And so the crossovers happen. The bills that were here have now gone over here to be heard. And these have gone over here to be heard. And uh, all the government red tape will be all involved with that over the next days. Do continue to pray. Uh, there are still some dangerous things there. Uh, one of the key uh, bills that is still alive, but we think it's going to have, uh, it's not going to go into effect this year, uh, has to do with casinos and the expansions of casinos in the, in the state of Virginia. And uh, now they have determined that they need to study and revisit the case. They can study it as long as they want to, just don't make it legal. And uh, so do continue to pray for our representatives there uh, with Brother, uh, Brother Ayla, with Zacharias, with Odax, and for our interest and the interest of our state. All right, Ephesians chapter 1 tonight. This is our second lesson. Uh, in Ephesians, we're going to be reading verse 3 through verse number 6. And we'll talk about uh, this passage just a little bit tonight on uh, not, not as much introduction. But if you would, let's begin in verse number 3. Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Uh, to understand this book of Ephesians, we have to begin to understand what Paul is saying here, the concept of the church as being the body of Christ. Okay? The body of Christ. The redeemed of the Lord. Our Christ's body in this world. Now, remember, we are the body of Christ, and we'll continue this thought in a moment, but He is the head. Now, as we think back through the Scripture, there's a, number of, uh, there's a number of metaphors used to describe our relationship with Christ. The Bible says that the church is like, first, the bride. Another metaphor that is used is a family. It's also talked about a household, a kingdom. Uh, the Scripture is given that is, uh, shows us the vine and the branches illustration. And also we're talked about as a building and the building fitly formed together. Paul introduces in Ephesians the concept of the church being the body of Christ. Now when we talk about the body, the body brings to mind unity, yet diversity. Uh, when we look in here in a physical way, uh, we are all human beings, but we do not all look the same. We are all not built the same. You understand what I'm saying? There's unity, but there's diversity. 
And the diversity brings about a mutual dependence. Now that mutual dependence, as we're beginning, we're going to begin to focus in on us being the body of Christ. Uh, Paul gives us much in his writing throughout the entirety of the New Testament that he wrote, the value of the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 says this, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. He made these body a physical body to function in a way that was pleasing. Now Paul is saying, he's introducing the thought that the church is the earthly body of Jesus Christ. And we've said it for years, but every member of the church does matter. Every member of the church should have a ministry within the church. Now, if you went on in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12, you went to verse 7 through verse 11, it talks about the unique assignment. I shared with teachers in teachers meeting tonight, we were talking about six things that help us to maintain the attention of students. One of them talked about getting on the level of a child. And the illustration that I shared with them tonight with that was I remember one Sunday morning looking through a Sunday school class window. And, I, and, and that particular Sunday, I was watching Debbie Loving as she taught her Sunday school class. I told them, and I'm not going to do it in here. She was sitting in the floor with the children. And she had her visuals with her. And she was sitting and she was leaned over. And quite truthfully, she was about this far from their faces as they sat in a half circle around her. And she had a good-sized Sunday school classroom. And they were all mesmerized. Now, truth is this. Not everybody can do that. There are people who are gifted for areas of ministry. And all of us, when we do our part, it works in. So Paul is beginning to show us this thing of our being the body of Christ on earth. Our human bodies receive direction from the head. It is amazing to think that your head tells your heart what to do. And your brain tells your lungs when to breathe. And without the brain, the body is of no value. Here on earth, we are the body of Christ following the direction of the head of the church. We are the body of Christ on earth. Now, if we were to stop, take time to do it tonight, chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, chapter 3 and verse number 6, chapter 4 and verse 16, and chapter 5 and verse 30, all of those, Paul is talking about the church being the body of Christ on the earth. Now, he lives through us, he walks through us, he works through us, and what he does, he accomplishes through us. How is that? Because we as the body of Christ on the earth are possessed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. We become the temple of God. So we are the vessel that God uses on this earth. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 through verse 14. We read verse 3 through 6. Verse 3 through 14 in its original language, was all 
one sentence. 202 words in that original language. Paul began praising the Lord, as we'll see in just a moment, for the grace of salvation. And then suddenly he just continues to ascend, praising God for the things of his grace. Now this sentence is literally loaded with theology and we'll not be able to cover it all tonight. In fact, as of right now, I can tell you we'll be here tonight and for two more Wednesday nights, just in verse 3 through verse number 14. This verse reveals some things. It reveals to us that Christ, God, had in his mind the church before the foundation of the world. It helps us to see this. Do you understand this tonight? You're not an afterthought. You're not a byproduct. The world didn't happen like this as some people want to paint. God did not create Adam and Eve, and they both sinned, and all of a sudden God went, oh, I didn't know they were going to do that. I have to have another plan. And so then, after their sin, he comes up with a plan of redemption. That's not the case. We read tonight, and it talks about before the foundation of the earth. Now, here's where theologically folks get into to arguments and fights, and they can do all they want to over it. But the Scripture tells us this very plainly tonight. God gives man free will. He gives them free will. That's what separates us out from everything else that God created. And so he gave man free will. And knowing God in his infinite knowledge, knowing what was going to happen after creation, had already planned. I say this tonight. God knew that the church was going to exist. He knew what he was going to do with the church. It reveals to us in these verses God's eternal purpose and plan with salvation. And again, all of these things, they're not an afterthought. The crucifixion of Jesus isn't an afterthought. It's not a byproduct. Well, this happened, so I have to do this. This is all God's planning. There's a lot of people who are looking for self-esteem, and they're doing it in many ways. Some are looking for the meaning of life. And some people go to, I get to, some people, the books and seminars. I could be a professional seminar goer. Literally every week, every week, we get anywhere from 20 to 25 invitations to come to different seminars. Now, I'm not saying seminars are a bad thing. But I, literally, there's something going on all of the time. Some people do more seminars than they do serving. Now, some people are looking for self-worth, and so they chase a seminar or they chase books. Other, people's try, other people try uh, trying to find self-worth, try to attach themselves to somebody that they think already has found self-worth. There are some people that look back in their genealogy. They look for a person in their family who has that self-worth. They try to glean it off that. Other people try through religion, through their works to gain that. Let me tell you this tonight from Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to find self-worth, look no further than your position in Christ. 
That changes everything. Let's look together tonight for a little while as Paul is praising for God's sovereignty. But we want to focus tonight on this, the sovereign God. We'll talk about that for the next three weeks. But God is to be praised for his charity. Now we're in a week, and I did not plan it necessarily this way, but tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and we know that the Scripture's word for charity is love. Verse 3 tells us about the blessings that we enjoy as the children of God. Look at number one, if you would, with me, please. The source of the blessings. What is the source of the blessings of our life? Notice it says this, the source is God. Blessed be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the word blessed here means to speak good of. It's interesting, and we, I can't chase every rabbit going through here, or we'll be teaching Ephesians till the rapture comes. But it's an interesting thing to know that this word blessed, from its original language drawn into our language today, has at its root the same word that we use for eulogy. What is a eulogy? A eulogy, usually, I've seen some that weren't this way, very few, but a eulogy usually happens when people get up and they talk about a person's good. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. Blessed be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or he's saying to speak good of God. Paul is saying God is good. You know, we say that so much it's become cliche, and I don't know whether we believe it or not. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That has become something that's done. I'm not saying it's a sinful thing, but it becomes a sinful thing when you don't practice it like you say it. Romans, or Revelation chapter 5 and verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in him heard I say, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth among the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. That's in Revelation. But back in Genesis, Melchizedek in Genesis 14 said this, and blessed be the most high God. David in his writing of Psalm multiple times says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Read that chapter and just highlight the number of times he talks about the blessing. From Genesis to Revelation is used that word blessed. Now let me just remind you of this. The same God who is good when everything is going well. When work is good. When home is good. When the grass is green but it's not growing so you don't have to mow it. When life just, you ever hit one of those patches? They're sparse but they're fun. And everybody will say then, oh, I just thank the Lord. God is so good. But you go to the doctor, and the doctor gives you a bad diagnosis, what you consider bad. Does that mean God is no longer good? No. We talk about the book of Romans chapter 5, and we... We talk about other verses of Scripture, about God's goodness, and we quote so quickly the verses that say things about God's goodness. 
We quote, and all things work together for good. The truth and the reality is this, the same God who is good during the blessings is good during the burdens. He hasn't changed. Now, not only should he be blessed, spoken good of, but notice this about Paul, and I don't know this is, that this is grammatically correct. I'm sure somebody will let me know. Not only is he blessed, he's the blesser. Notice this, what he says. Who hath blessed us? He is blessed, he is the blesser. Every good and perfect gift, the scripture says, cometh from God. The Bible goes on to say this. If we as fathers, we desire to do good for our children, how much more so does our heavenly father have the desire to do good for us? Now, I want you to think about this. Most of the things that we do in our faith, we do because we have been commanded. We worship, we give, we witness, we pray. These are all acts of obedience. Now, when we praise the Lord, we're giving an offering of love. In fact, the Old Testament talks a lot about it. The book of Hebrews mentions it in chapter 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips. This is an interesting verse from the Old Testament. Hebrews 13 talks about the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. Hosea chapter 14 and verse 2 says, take with, your, uh, take with your words and turn to the Lord and say to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So we will remember the calves of our lips. That's a strange statement, isn't it? The calves of our lips. What is it talking about? The calves were what was used in the sacrifice. So what we're saying with this is that when we open our mouth to bless the Lord, to speak good of God, when we do that, that is a love offering that's given to him. Psalm 119, 108, except I beseech thee, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. And so the first thing that he talks to us about is the source of the blessings. Number two, look at this, the subject of the blessings. Again, we're expanding a little bit more on, that, on this. He hath blessed us. Who has he blessed? Chapter 1, verse 1 gives us who this is written to. The saints. And then it says to the faithful. That brings it even to us. We bless him with our words. And then he blesses us with his deeds. The tense of this is important. The tense of this word blessed. It, he blesses. And here's the tense of it. And he blesses. And he blesses. And he blesses. And he blesses, and he blesses, and you get the point, it's over. It is a continuing tense. I don't think we really understand how frail life is. Yesterday morning, I left early, got down on 295, and almost instantly, I almost changed my mind about going because. As soon as I got on, I was between Mechanicsville Turn or between uh, Creighton and Mechanicsville Turnpike, and traffic just came to almost a complete stop, except the fast lane. So I got over in the fast lane and went on up. 
and just before you get to the Meadow Bridge exit, there had been an accident. They weren't clearing the cars or anything up. Ambulances were packing away the patients and, and they were leaving, but a pickup truck and an SUV had been involved in an accident. And the, the SUV, it was one of the larger ones, and it had evidently rolled multiple times. And by, by rolling, I mean, I think it must have been sideways when it rolled because the roof that should cover the driver was mashed all the way over into the passenger side. There were several crews there working. And I noticed that there was one of the beds from the rescue squad sitting over to the side. There was someone there, but there was no one working on it. Now that someone's life has changed. Got through that, traffic cleared up. I called my wife, said, I'm okay. I just afraid you'd turn the news on it. Said, there's a pickup truck in a wreck and you'd panic and call the insurance company and all that kind of stuff. So I, I got on 95. And I was just, I thought, I said, I'm fine. Traffic is, it's rainy, it's nasty. Uh, and I see all kinds of lights again. And you may have seen this one on the news. 28-year-old young man out of King George coming this way. And about the time I passed by, they were taking the blue tarp and they had tarped his entire car. And he had died in that. You know what I did for the next two and a half hours of a ride? I prayed for one. I drove the speed limit for two. For a little while. But I, I know what I had been studying about blessing God or saying good of God. And I just had to say, God, forgive me for not realizing how blessed I am that I breathe through the night. Life is fragile. We don't understand that, I don't think. The subject of the blessing, because we are here, because he loves us, he pours his blessings out on our lives. And he blesses us far greater than what we deserve. Who would have ever thought shaving of the morning was a tremendous blessing? I've been up there to see Bill. I, the other day I went in to see him and I thought, why in the world do they put him at the back of this hospital? Those of you who have visited up there, you know it's built in a square. And I thought, I gotta, I, gotta, I, I gotta walk all the way to the back of this place again. Some of you are shaking your head. You visited people there. Bill said, preacher, I walked all the way around the hallway today. Praise the Lord. I wasn't praising the Lord. Sometimes we don't see what God has done for us in our blessings, the subject of our blessings. Look at number three, if you would. The scope of the blessings. All spiritual blessings total whole of every kind of blessing we have listen we have been given everything that God has to offer God opened up the treasure of his house of heaven and he authorized us to receive all spiritual blessings we have all the spiritual wealth of heaven at our fingertips 
Notice that word, all. Everything that God has, he desires to give to us. What a tremendous scope. What has he given us that should, we should value more than any gift? Now, listen, that's not, it's not talking about God's given us every one of our wants. Notice it says he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. When is the last time that we have spoken good of God, blessed God for the gift of the Holy Spirit? God having come into us to dwell in us personally. And all of the fruits that go along with that. That moves us to number four, the sort of the blessings when we're looking at all spiritual blessings. Pneumachios is the word that is used here referring to the Holy Spirit. Everything that we could possibly want is ours through the Holy Spirit. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life, godliness, through the knowledge of him that calleth us to the glory and virtue. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. You know what it says, you help me. My God shall supply all your needs. What sort of these? Now sadly, we don't always appropriate what we have in Jesus. Sadly, we don't take all that we have that God desires to give us. You know, sometimes we pray and we pray in vain. We pray for love, but God says in Romans 5, 5, that he has shed his love abroad in our hearts. We pray for peace, but in John chapter 14, verse 27, he tells us he's already given us that. We pray for joy. But he tells us that he's given us joy unspeakable, full of glory in 1 Peter chapter number 1. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22 tells us of all the fruits of the Spirit that we have. We pray for strength. He's already told us that we can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. We worry over our needs. Philippians 1.19 talks a little bit about that. We seek his presence. We pray for God to be with us. And he's already told us, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I catch myself even praying, well, God, be with us. And I wonder sometimes if from heaven he's not saying, I already told you. Why are you praying that? You're praying in vain. I've already promised you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We think we need a lot of things that we don't have. The truth is we possess great riches because of who we are, our self-worth. If you really want to find it, see who we are in Christ. And now let's look at number five, the storehouse of these blessings. Paul says that our blessings are located in heavenly places. It means that our blessings are in a supernatural realm. Our realm, our blessings are spiritual blessings. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 24, our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Notice tonight, we live here. You can pinch yourself if you want to. You live there. You live in that. I live in this. For now, this is my home. But understand this. This is my tabernacle. And the tabernacle was temporary. We live here, but we also live there. That's the temple. We are passing through this world. And I will say this tonight. This, I told you earlier, this world has gone absolutely nuts. But we should not be shocked. Why? Because God said it would. I have had people say, why are these things happening? I think I have the answer. Because God's coming back. This is winding up. Not only has the world gone nuts, Christians have gone nuts. Don't be surprised. I had a conversation I had last week. Churches are declining. I know, but God said they would. So in, in, instead of being depressed about it and scared of it and perplexed, it ought to encourage us to get out and witness because before long, we're out of here. We're looking at the storehouse of the blessing. We, the Bible tells us that we're not citizens here. We're strangers. We're pilgrims in this place. I know that we have our friends and family that are here. We have things that are here. But you know what most of us have done? Most of us are so earthly oriented that we have forgotten about eternal. Most of what we involve our lives in is earthly and has nothing to do with investment in heaven. We live in this world, but we long for that world. Two verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 10. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. And then it goes on in 2 Corinthians to say, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Why? In Jesus tonight, we are wealthy beyond belief. And Paul is talking to the saints and to the faithful and trying to say, look at who you are in Jesus. Look at who you are in Christ. And number six, the state of the blessing. The state of these blessings. Where are they? In Christ. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children that heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together. Think about that for a moment. We are in Christ. 
So I don't care what happens to the state of Virginia tonight. I am in Christ. Or what happens in the United States. We are in Christ. And the worst that the world can throw at us is the worst. Because in Christ we have the best. That's what we possess. All spiritual blessings. Would you take this, these notes tonight? Take the outline. Read back through verse 3 through 6. And Paul is saying, listen, praise God. Blessed be the Lord. Speak good of God. And understand our self-worth cannot be achieved. This verse came to my mind last night when Paul said this. I have learned in whatever state I am in, therewith to be content. He did not say I am content with what I have achieved. I'm content with what I have. Notice this, contentment is a learned thing. It's learned. Speak good of God. Let our self-worth be in what we are, not on this earth, but what we are in Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, and he planned to do that before the foundation of the world. That's what he planned. That's what he predestinated for us. Let's pray together tonight, please. Father, thank you for Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. Thank you that Paul, through your inspiration, points out to us tonight who we are 